And we're on. Uh, so I am joined today uh, by a lady that uh, I've been looking forward to chatting to for, for ages. And she's here to share in the fourth uh, issue, I think, of uh, Be You, Be True, Honest Conversations About Things That Matter. And just for our audience, uh, Geraldine, uh, there will be no edit. Mm-hmm. So swear words will be included. Uh, there will be no deletions, no insertions. It is as it is, and it's, that's on purpose because that's how conversations are. Sure. Uh, and again, just for our audience and, and for, for Geraldine as well. So I have a few questions that I've written out that I may or may not ask. But the point is that Geraldine hasn't had advance warning of the questions. And I do that on purpose as well because I kind of think that if given, you know how it is, you know when you go to a job interview and you do it and you come out and you go, I wish I'd have said that and I, and I wish I'd have said that. And you know, so I think if you give people the questions in advance, they'll script them and write them a couple of times. You know, and for me, that's getting very much into the intellect and, and, and not getting to the, the core of the person or the, or the essence or just, you know, the, the, the truth that comes out. Uh, so, I've said your name a couple of times, Geraldine. This is Geraldine Mulqueen, uh, who I know through, through, I was just thinking today, Geraldine, through a, a few different guises. So, from your artwork and, and your work, uh, you're a parent at a school that my kids go to school at. Yeah. So, we kind of know each other in a few different, yeah, a few, overlaps, a few yeah. overlaps and a few different roles. So, why don't you, Geraldine, just for the start of this, uh, I was going to say interview, that's terrible, conversation. Yeah, I don't like the word. No, no, it's not an interview, it's not an interview. Tell us, who are you? Who am I? Um, That's a really good question. Um, Automatically go to, you know, what is it I do, Hmm. if you like. Um, Well, you've kind of mentioned I'm a mum of two teenagers. Um, I'm an artist. Um, I work also as a psychotherapist. And... um, I suppose, above all of that, I'm a woman, mm-hmm. um, very creative, very um, sensitive, I suppose, spiritual, um, definitely been on a journey for a long time, and um, I'm probably still searching, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty all-round good human being, I think. <laughs> and I would, I would test <laughs> well. I'll, I'll second that for you. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy with that. Good. And you are based in County Down, so you're a County Down lady? I am. I live yep. in Strangford and work from home and also have, um, in terms of my psychotherapy, I've got an office in Dublin and one in Belfast and then with my art I kind of travel with that, and, um, both in terms of painting and then running something that I've created called Art for the Census workshops and mm-hmm. events. And so I tend to be quite busy mm-hmm. these days. <laughs> and hopefully we get a chat a bit yeah. later. Geraldine, I'd love to yeah. chat more about Art for the Census sure. and, and that stuff that seems to be very important to you right now. Just uh, uh, hopefully we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that. Uh, so I'll go. I'll go with the heavy questions first. <laughs> the heavier, they're not that heavy. Yeah. So, uh, finish the sentence for me. Uh, 
I would love to. Travel the world. Okay. Anywhere in particular? Everywhere in particular? Ev everywhere? Oh my god, yeah, everywhere. Um, travel the world and have the time and freedom to, to do that. Um, that's the first thing that comes into my head. What would be your, your choice of travel? Are you uh, first class, uh, high end hotel, or camper van and tent? Camper van, I'm very happy with all of the above. Um, okay. I've, I've had one experience that wasn't quite first class, it was, what is it, like executive business class or something years ago. Um, and that was, that was pretty awesome. <clears throat> but um, no, I, th I, think, I think it's not even sort of mode of transport, but it's just the quality of, of getting around. And, I'm always drawn to the Middle East, always drawn. Um, so I think that would be my first stop. Have you been yet? Have you had the opportunity Not to go? Yet, okay, I yeah. Am. And what's what's the draw? What's what attracts you to, uh, um, to the Middle East? I I believe in past lives, so I have a real affinity with um, with that part of the world. And every time I've gone there, I felt like I was going home. Okay. Um, and I would also feel that about the south of France and some other. Um, yeah, I think it's the everything from the smells, the the light, the heat, um, the languages. Yeah, all right. I just feel very drawn to there. Yeah, good. Uh, anything else? I would love to own a green jaguar. <laughs> okay, right, great. Yeah, fair. yeah. No, right. it's 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 on it's yeah. on the list. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, definitely. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm going to manifest the Green Jaguar, yes. Great. I would love to um, live in the south of France. Okay. And paint every day. Mm -hmm. And drink wine. That's and relax. <laughs> that, sounds, uh, that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah, I would... I would That's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, Might take a wee while. That's going to happen, for sure. Yeah, and again, not to get too deep too quick. When you say it might take a wee while, what's a wee while, you know? And and uh, it takes how long it takes, you know? And, yeah, exactly. and you, you get there when you get there. And, and exactly. if you got there now, it might be the right thing for you, you know? And so. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean I've got you know as I said I've got two two teenagers, and so I have a um, little bit of kind of immediate parenting to do. And um, but you know in a few years I'll be up and away, and mm. so it'll be different. Trajectory after that. It's crazy with kids as well, John. I just think that kids give you. Uh, I think it's maybe because they're on the outside <clears throat> and you're you're watching them, but they're real time stampers for me. As in, you know, first year, sure. boof, you know, and then picking their GCSEs in third year, doof, you know, and you're like, where did that go? Where did first year to third year go? You know, and then they're sitting GCSEs, and you're like. That's five years since first year. Where did that go? You know, and then your your kids now are at the stage doing A levels and that sort of thing, and they'll be moving on to university. And, and from first year to and you're like, oh my goodness, that was that was quick. So as you say, in, in another, you know, think of even that journey in another six years. Uh, you know, your kids are going to be what twenty four and twenty two or something like that. Yeah, or? Well, Alice is coming eighteen in December. Right? Yeah. Um, second is just turned fifteen. So yes, it just twenty four and twenty one. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when you put it like that, exactly. I can remember being those ages myself. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't seem like yesterday, but yeah. So, it, I mean, it, it, I suppose just in terms of how you, as you know, as you say, as a parent, you, there are timelines and 
you think you're never going to get to the end of one set and then it um, suddenly it's you've passed it. Mm -hmm. you know, I used to think whenever oh, sorry I've knocked that mic. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know when the kids were really small and um, I think I'd have like the goalpost definitely got it sorted, know where they are, and then five minutes later the goalpost would shift. So you're having to reassess all the time. So it's like a movable feast, really. And mm -hmm. um, But at the same time, it's one aspect of who I am that I I know that I excel as a parent, and I'm really proud of that. And, and so every now and again, I kind of allow myself to look at these brilliant um, teenagers and think, yeah, I'm, I'm doing a good job here. You know. What else do you excel at? What else do I excel at? <laughs> um, my, my first thought was loving people. Hmm. If that doesn't sound too far out. Sounds great. Yeah, I, th I think I've got a big heart and very compassionate. Um, and it's something that when I kind of live from that place within myself I feel it's um, I feel it's really really important and I, I feel it's uh, I was going to say a gift I don't mean that in a how do I mean that um, it's something that when you come to that within yourself it really strips away everything that's unnecessary. And so I feel that I'm a really loving person and I think that that's, that's really important, yeah. I'm gonna come back to that. Uh, sure. What do you excel at? And I'll, I'll, I'll squeeze one more out of you. Uh, but let me sort of ask you this and how this sits with you. I'm just more interested in, in, your, in your thoughts on this. Uh, of late, I've kind of been working on a, a few meditations and, and uh, the idea of, of just meditating on, on emptiness and, and uh, you know, uh, defining an object and, and refuting the object and, and, and coming up with the idea of, em of, of emptiness and, and that, you know, so trying to explain this, uh, trying to explain it to myself is sometimes, uh, never mind trying to explain it to others. So I came, I came to the realization that, that Really, you know, from from the from the object's side, so from my side, that that I am not my mind and I am not my body, you know, because how can I be my mind if my mind belongs to me? I can't be the possessor and the possessed of that at the same time. As the same with my body, my body belongs to me. So what is the me that my body belongs to? So I am not my mind and not my body. So so what am I? You know, and I am this essence, presence, and and, and what is that? And that is love. I come up with that idea very early morning in Donegal meditating on that and I thought that I had discovered the secret of the universe, you know, kind of. Uh, so that, 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 that I am love. So then developing that uh, question was, so how does, how does love exist? Uh, or how can it exist? And it can, again, this is my realisation, I'm going to ask you your thoughts on it. It, it, can only, it can only exist by witnessing its own expression. The only way for love to exist is to see itself expressing love. Yeah, uh, which is fantastic. Again, I thought I discovered the secret of the universe with that one. Uh, okay, I said, yeah, okay, well, that's that's good work. So, so I am love, and, and how do I exist by by witnessing my own expression of love? So, therefore, in this scenario with you sitting with me, 
for me to exist. I need you to be there for me to love, to allow me to exist. All right, that's the only way I can express love right now is to you or to the coffee or whatever it is, is I need something to express love to, to exist. Again, I felt I discovered the secret of the universe, patted myself on the back. I thought, yeah, that's good work. So if, if from my point of view, I can only exist by the expression of love, then in challenging my own argument, I'm, I'm saying that that must be true for each person. So, so for you, you can only exist by your expression of love, which you've just said that you're very good at. Again, I'm very proud of myself for that realization. And then I thought, ah, but if I don't accept the love that Geraldine is putting out into the world, so if I don't allow you and my wife and my friends, if I don't, if I don't allow them to love me, then what I'm doing is preventing their existence because I'm saying that they can only exist by showing love. But if I don't accept that love, I'm preventing their existence. So how can I say that I love you or anyone else if I'm not prepared to accept love from you? Did you, did you get my, my debate there where, where, where I'm going with that? And for me, the dilemma for most people is not the loving part, it's the accepting love. Uh, and I'm wondering if you excel with having a big heart and being a loving person, do you excel with accepting love no. in your life? Not always, no. No. Not always. And in your experience, how do we how do we teach each other? How do we learn to accept? Love, what, what's preventing us from, from accepting that love? What is the I blockage? Think, I, think what, I think what prevents us from accepting or receiving or having an awareness of that is um, conditions that have been imposed or placed on us through our early environment. Mm -hmm. And in other words, that might be something as simple as criticism. Mm -hmm. Or it could be something, the far end of the scale is something terribly traumatic, mm -hmm. which effectively cuts one off oneself from the loving part of, of oneself and, and, and that has to be rediscovered so that in any interaction you feel your own essence and you can also, in the mirror of the other person, see, if you like, behind perceptions that we put out into the world. Mm -hmm. So um, the fact is, what I've kind of come to realise for myself is that love exists regardless of how we think about it. Yeah, I like that. And so that's the first thing. And the second thing is that um, in terms of, of receiving something energetically positive or receiving that, 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 that depends on how much you've grown to um, or return to a sense of yourself and the kind of innocence and love and um, unpolluted aspect to ourselves that which we come into the world with and that can take a long time to mm. kind of to recover that or come back to that place and and um, and that's a journey I think in, in every interaction every experience through the journey of life that you're 
you're meeting people, you're having experiences, you're going places. And, and in each of those examples, it's, it's all part of the kind of tapestry that you weave to, to come back to yourself. Um, and that can take a short time or a long time, and it can take um, many repeated experiences so that you remove the layers of mm-hmm. damage, for want of a better word, mm-hmm. that's done um, at a very early stage. And, um, but when you get there, when you kind of rediscover yourself and find yourself, um, it's a really nice feeling. The question is remembering that and staying with that and um, and you know we're, we're we're not living in caves in the Himalayas we're living in the real world as Correct. In, um, with various kind of daily stresses and, um, and pressures and um, and people triggering and us triggering things in other people and you know that's we're living, we're mm-hmm. in these bodies, mm-hmm. having a human experience, and humanity isn't pleasant all of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I, I hope that's gone some way to answer your question, but I, you know, I think when we get moments of, I'm speaking for myself, when I get moments of clarity and stillness and just that lovely kind of calm feeling, then that's what I associate with love because it's um, it's not empty, it's just, if you like, devoid of negativity. and mm. It's a calm place, mm. a good place. I was reading once there just recently, and I think it's kind of what you're describing there, that every other, every, everything that you try to imagine or create has an opposite. So you think of, you know, kindness. Kindness has an opposite of, of being unkind. And I was reading that the, the, I can't remember who it was, Sadhguru or somebody had, was saying that the, the only thing that has no opposite is love. Uh, it, it doesn't have an opposite, you know. There can be an absence of, but that's not an opposite too, you know. And I like that feeling that, that it doesn't have an opposite. You know, you, there, there's no, there's no, uh, waste product or, or offshoot of, of creating love. It, it, it just doesn't have an opposite, which, which I, I kind of really like. Does art do that for you? Does art help you find that, that space or that place or what, you know, is it? Absolutely, I mean, it's um, both in the kind of experiencing of it as in when I'm painting um, and also in the sharing of that. And I don't think of it as teaching, but certainly sharing that with other people. Um, <clears throat> there's a, there's just a creative flow and you know, you can think of that in many different ways, but um, at the very least, there's a sense of calmness and happiness, and um, it's very zen. Mm. Yeah. Nice word. Yeah, because yeah. you lose, you lose. Oh, I, I lose sense of, of of time, and when I'm when I'm painting, all of this other crap that I'm worrying about is either temporarily or you know, it's just it's it's not. It's not there, mm-hmm. so it art very. It's a bit like using sound healing, for example. You very quickly get into a space where you're right in the middle of, of the process, and that cuts out um, interference, for want of a better word. Mm. Interference is a great word. 
it's a good word, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it's a great I, word. I pat myself on the back for that one. Yeah, no, it, it says exactly. It says exactly yeah. what it means because that's all it is. It's interference. Yeah. And I suppose, Geraldine, the, the the learning then or the skill or the ability is to be able to create that feeling, uh, and you've already alluded to it. That feeling or that whatever that process is that that is happening during the making of art or the expression of art. Yeah when you're not making art, uh, you know. Completely, because yeah. we forget, we forget. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the transference, or the, the interference, yeah. starts getting received again, doesn't it? And, and uh, yeah, that's a skill. That's a, that's a skill is. in itself, and that's a, that's a talent, and a, you know, it's, it's something that needs worked on continuously, I think, uh, and, and worked on ourselves. Finish another sentence for me, please. Uh, I'm fascinated by. <laughs> Fascinated by. Um, oh my goodness. I'm going to have to think about this now. The solar system. I've always been. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, the expanse of it, the, the connection to it, I would have some ideas about connection with other galaxies and um, and the fact that for me when I instead of uh, looking within when I kind of look out especially at night um, and allow myself to to drift a bit um, it just it's it's a it's a very powerful draw, but it's also uh, limitless, mm. and that fascinates me. That that it exists, that we're a part of it, that we forget about that, but that there's every potential there. And even now, when I'm speaking about it, I just it, I, I feel more expansive than just being physically sat here. Mm. So that's a good reminder. Uh, no, no one's ever asked me that question before. Thank you for that. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, and some of these questions, Jill and I, I ask them because I think about them and I'm, I'm interested in what other people yeah. come up with, you know. Uh, and that okay. question, sorry, go ahead. No, like for, for example, I mean, it automatically brings me to um, the experience of visiting the. Um, the temples at Saqqara, which is outside Cairo, mm -hmm. and the positioning of the temples at that particular complex mirror um, exactly the Palladian constellation of stars. Mm -hmm. So whichever way you think about that, there was knowledge, there is knowledge, um, however it got here or was brought or left um, to, um, to link astrology and link uh, the earth with with the cosmos and um, so I'd be I would be very um, I wouldn't I'm not I'm not knowledgeable and so the ins and outs but instinctively and intuitively um, that resonates with me and if you've not been there I definitely recommend you go and visit yeah, Sakara. I haven't been and it's fascinating and just yeah, last night when I, I watched a little video of a guy an Egyptologist kind of dude and mm -hmm. uh, who was into uh, the cosmos and stuff, and, and you know, stating figures that the base of the Great Pyramid uh, is f uh, 
43,200 times. Uh, multiply the base of the, the pyramid by 43,200 and you get the uh, diameter of the earth. Mm -hmm. uh, multiply the height of the pyramid uh, by 43,200 and you get the radius of the earth. Uh, and another great one that, that, that kind of really blew my mind was that uh, the the oh, what was that in the pyramids the the, the, the the offset the offset of the the offset of, of the the great pyramid against true north uh, when multiplied by the same number forty three thousand two hundred uh, gives you like this and this is an amazing figure the uh, the the offset of the the Earth on its axis. So as the Earth's rotating, it kind of wobbles a little bit. It you know, it kind of, you know, it's kind of that wobble. And that the people that built the pyramid knew by how much and you know how long and when and were able to draw that into their manufacturing of this building. Which is like, you know, what? You know, like how? You know, never, never mind how they got 2.5 million blocks weighing X amount uh, up, you know, uh, never mind all that logistical stuff. You know, just that knowledge that they had sure. is, is fascinating. I think you're right. That would well, sort of old knowledge, but also like that has um, overlaps with quantum physics. Mm -hmm. And um, if you follow or know the principles of sacred geometry and then overlaps as well with... Um, Sound healing and mm -hmm. the various frequencies which mm -hmm. are used. So, four three two is, is a really important yep. frequency, mm -hmm. um, and there are many theories about how the Great Pyramid was built. But maybe that'll be for another conversation. Maybe it will. That's that's a different one. Uh, I have another yeah. friend of mine, uh, James Perry. I'd be glad that he got a mention on here, and and he okay. he's a, he's he's an accountant actually, and but his his uh, you know. Uh, uh, area area of, of great knowledge is, is the great pyramids, mm -hmm. uh, and, and uh, we we often chat about that. So maybe I'll get to chatting chatting to James about that. Uh, so uh, and like I say, the Gerald, these questions are all open ended. So uh, just just whatever. Uh, next question. No, that's not even a question. Sentence to finish. Yeah. Uh, what really matters to me is. Honesty. Okay. And authenticity. Okay. As in the practicing of them yourself, or the uh, receiving them from other people, or uh, I, th I think I think both. I mean, mm. I if I if I'm not being completely authentic, um, sort of day to day, then it's um, I feel constricted within myself. I mm. feel doesn't just I just it just doesn't feel right. And so that's a good barometer for me. And then equally, um, I, I was going to say expect, that's probably the wrong word, but um, it's really important for me to have that reciprocated in kind of meaningful way. Mm -hmm. And it's not always possible, but when it happens, then... Um, there's an ease of flow and a kind of an ease of living, and um, but yes, that is that is really important. And I, th I think <coughs> I think it matters so much to me because <coughs> it it has taken me a long time to um, 
reach that place within myself. And that's been part of my journey. Um, not easy at times, of course, but um, uh, I suppose when you um, come from a place of not being allowed to be your authentic self, if I can put it like that, mm-hmm. um, then there's a There's always been, for me, a kind of push-pull between what do I have to do to be accepted Mm -hmm. versus what do I really want to do? Mm -hmm. And that kind of in-between bit, um, which is to do with uh, letting go of old expectations and old conditioning Mm -hmm. and old patterns and um, thinking you have to do something in a certain way just to get by or so you'd be accepted or everything would be okay and and all the time kind of setting yourself out really mm-hmm. so to reach a point now where and I'm still I'm still working on it I'm still um, on a journey mm-hmm. so to speak um, but to reach a point of knowing myself well enough to know when I'm not being completely authentic um, is a real gift and uh, just coming back to that you know because it permeates everything I agree how you live in mm-hmm. how you are with everybody mm-hmm. you know, my children my partner mm-hmm. um, my decisions my day to day my work <coughs> my painting everything because mm-hmm. you can't if, you, if you're trying to force something then it's just it's just not going to be right mm-hmm. Whatever it is, you know, um, and it's it's having respect for that, and um, and it's I suppose it's maybe integrity is a better word. Mm. Yeah, integrity because integrity requires you to <coughs> turn up at that place even if you don't want to, because you know it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the right thing to do, I just said this a, a, a few days ago, I, um, I was having a really important conversation and I found myself saying, um, I know this is the right thing to do, but it's really hard. And that, the context doesn't really matter, it's just, mm-hmm. it's this, it's a sentiment, you know, mm-hmm. that, and, uh, you know, we each have, have had and will have and do have situations that we have to bring our true honest selves to that may not make sense to somebody else out there but if you know within yourself and at the end of the day your truth is your truth it's mm-hmm. not mine or the mm-hmm. next person's and but if you know on every level that it's it's right and um, then that's that's integrity isn't it mm-hmm. it is yeah Touching there, Gerald, on a few things that, that I've been reading and studying lately. Uh, the idea of authenticity versus attachment. Mm. Uh, and how we learn, as you've very eloquently described there, we learn or are taught uh, to give up our authenticity, mm-hmm. to maintain attachment. Uh, yeah. And as children, 
that's a very smart thing to do. It's a defensive mechanism for a child to, to give up authenticity to maintain attachment because children need to be fed and watered and looked after and you know. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's a necessity. So it's a, so it's a very it's a very smart thing for for a young person to do. But then when we learn that way of behaving, when we learn or are taught or adapt to believe that we must give up our authenticity to maintain attachment mm -hmm. as we come into adulthood, that's very dangerous. Giving up your authenticity to maintain attachment is a very dangerous place to be because you're giving up yourself in order to maintain a, an attachment to someone or something else. And that's a castle built on sand, isn't it? To give up, to give up yourself to maintain an, an attachment is, is a castle built on sand. And if you can, as you've described, get to a point and for some people it's in their 20s, for some people it's in their 60s, <laughs> for some people it never happens, you know, to, to get to a point where you can be authentic and say, no, I'm going to choose me uh, instead of that attachment. Uh, and, and I suppose it's important to say you're not choosing, you, you can have authenticity and attachment, you can have both, but if you can only have one, choose authenticity, you know, and I think you'll, you'll be a happier, you'll be a happier person. And I'm learning this, I'm learning this, you know, along with you as well. And, uh, it's important to do. I think j just on that, you know, that um, uh, the repeating of kind of the old pattern, you know, in, in adult relationships um, is uh, is something that we keep doing until we realise that we're doing it. Mm -hmm. And then you have a cho choice. Yep. So, so there's that bit. But also, um, you know, the... Choose, choosing yourself or choosing to honor yourself doesn't mean that you're not loving the other person. Of course, you're not, you know it's it's um, uh, and making choices from a place of love mm -hmm. is authentic mm -hmm. and really important. And 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 I suppose when you have to um, to learn how to do that and to learn how to. Um, hold your own space and, mm -hmm. and be respectful of the other person's space, then um, sometimes that can sound all very theoretical, but when it, when it unfolds in a relationship, um, however difficult it is to, to get to that place, then um, that's what will make things work, you know. But most of all within, you know, I read somewhere that um, the most important relationship is the one that you have with yourself, and and it's true because if you haven't had that shit sorted out, you're going to be firing it around the place, and everybody yeah. would be like, "Oh, I'll have a week, have we go and see how they react to this." Yeah. So you know, it's and that we're as I said, we're human. Yeah. We're human, and we find ourselves like sometimes I find myself, say with my kids, you know, coming out with something. Did I did I actually just say that? Mm -hmm. You know, and then catching yourself on or whatever, or or if you have very emotionally intelligent um, teenagers, they'll, they'll tell you what you've just said, yeah. like as in, did you actually just say that yeah. in a different tone? Yeah. So um, anyway, I'm kind of going off the track a wee bit here. No, but, no, that's, uh, this is all, this is but, all But you know, so it's, it's, all, all, it's all that kind of, um, just uh, sometimes we need reminders from outside of ourselves to like little pointers saying, do you know what, that, that's a crock of shit, you're not getting that right, or <laughs> good job, you did really well. Right? Yeah. So kids you. can be very honest, more uh, honest than you wish for. It. And I, I work with kids as well, and the reason that I love yeah. doing it is because they are, you know, like the, 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 the complete absence of those social filters and social etiquette. Totally. If it's shit, 
<laughs> they'll tell you this is shit you know yeah. like okay I better do yeah. something about that and, and I love I love that that sharpness with, with kids and yet we Geraldine we we some of us sometimes try to iron that out of our kids absolutely if we're not comfortable with that you know within ourselves and yeah yeah for sure I know that uh, and you know, I, you know I've been guilty I remember when, when my youngest was was very young it was my dad said to me she was she was quite lively mm-hmm. uh you know uh, and and I remember my dad's actually saying to her when she was about two uh he's, he was saying to her you're a feisty one don't let them don't let them take that away from you don't let them take that away from you you know and it took me years later to go because at the time i was thinking what's he talking about I'm a stupid man you know and then later on i'm thinking oh yeah that's what he meant you know just that that honesty that kids have with themselves and I say narcissistic but I don't mean it in a bad way but they 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 will let you know what they like and what they don't you know and that's fine that's okay it's good to know that you know and if we could do that with adults you know we could know here's here's what I like and here's what I don't you know and, and here's where I'm coming from and things would be a whole lot easier wouldn't they sometimes you know <laughs> yes yeah. sometimes you, know, you think so. okay that's thanks for telling me now, now that I know that uh A couple more questions and then I asked Geraldine uh, again very late last night, I said bring two things yeah. uh, and I, again I do that on purpose just so that you don't have too much time to, to, to ponder and, and, uh, and Geraldine has brought a couple of ob- objects that we're going to chat about. Uh, but just a couple of questions Geraldine, uh, second last one I suppose, or maybe not, uh, what changed my life was? Becoming a mother. Okay. 100% without a doubt, yeah. And how come? Oh, how come? <laughs> um, yeah, I've just, I've just answered, like, as if you're, like, you, you should, like, know what I'm talking about. That's hilarious. Um, how come? How did it change my... Well, I... Uh, um, not just the birth of my daughter, but both my children, but obviously the first, you know, becoming a mother. That's yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I had been waiting for some time, and... Um, um, went through a process of, um, of IVF and so when my daughter was born it was, um, it was just incredibly um, amazing mm-hmm. and uh, it, it did a number of things, it, it, uh, I didn't think it was going to be possible so then it, it was possible and um, it opened me up um, through tremendous pain really to it literally just kind of cracked me open um, and I I suppose rediscovered I started to rediscover myself mm-hmm. so it opened up this uh, creative potential um, it opened up my heart it it um, opened up all of my past stuff it just it was like a, a it wasn't a, it wasn't a watershed. It was it was more like a, a an explosion, mm-hmm. really. <laughs> yeah. um, and and so when I when my daughter was when she was born and she was placed up and uh, across my chest, um, and I looked at this wee face and um, it was just then I didn't remember what it was like before she arrived. Mm-hmm. So so there's. It, it was very, very powerful for me um, 
really on every level and um, it's like being woken up I suppose mm. um, and almost as if everything that had happened up to that point in my life had been preparing me for becoming a mum. I had a thing pop. Absolutely. Uh, and I think pop into my head there just as you say, uh, you know, before children. It's kind of thinking B C, you know, uh, yeah, so, to oh, so, no, totally. so, so absolutely. So yeah, absolutely. five five years B C, you know, and uh, yeah. Yeah, before children and, and Oh no, like I thought, you know, my life's pressured and I've got this, yeah. that and the other and then it's like none none of that matters when you I speak for myself, you know, becoming a mum was um um was incredible and every now and again I sort of pinch myself like I, I look at my kids now and I think do you know I carried them around for a few months and mm -hmm. it's like, so there, there's something when, when you actually as a woman stop and reflect on that and think about even you know in terms of our, our bodies and and the the power and the energy and everything that is within us to to allow that kind of creativity and this this human soul to invite in and and grow and then and birth is it's um it is quite incredible when I allow myself as I'm doing now to you know to really stop and and think about it and feel it it's um and it, more than that it it's just it's a real honour you know mm. it really is and for all the complaining and all the exhaustion all the lack of sleep and and and, and mm. you know there's there's something very very powerful and and. I suppose it does connect me then back to say my own mum and um, my grandmother and you know just um, I, I I'm I'm going to say this it's like a kind of honouring of of the feminine and the feminine energy and and um, there is something very sacred about that so I I feel honoured mm -hmm. and I don't mean that in a religious sense no. I mean that yeah. in a um, I I feel honoured that. That I've had the opportunity to to, to be a mother. Yeah, I do. It's lovely. Uh, I've been reading quite a bit just through my studies lately, Geraldine, about the uh, sort of the patriarchal society that we live in and, and the, the degradation of, of the matriarchal society or the degradation of, of feminine. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's both in the degradation of female and in the degradation of the feminine in male. Completely, that you know yeah. that it's it's it, you know we we have <laughs> we have gone about pretty much wiping it out. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe I'm just maybe I'm into this. I'm just sentimental. I, you know, I've I've three sisters and no brothers and two daughters and no sons and you know yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, it's, so it's a world a, a world of yeah. women. You know, sure. uh, and you know how when we look at. Aboriginal peoples and, and Native Americans and, and you know even Europeans and, and uh, particular Americans, how this degradation of, of the feminine is, is, is almost had almost reached completion. You know that uh, we just remove that that honouring and that power that you talked about and that special relationship that that, that women and, and females have. It has almost been wiped out, you know, and uh, which is which is really sad. Uh, and then, funny, interestingly, I was leaving my kids to the dentist on Monday, and driving home and listening to Six Music, and the news came on. Six Music news came on, and there was a little one of those little snippets on the news. I'm sure it wasn't any more than five seconds long, and it said uh, a new report has discovered that women who are uh, 
women who are uh, women who receive a lot of stress in pregnancy, uh, their children are thirty times more likely to develop a personality disorder in later life. Yes. Sir. So this was a five-second snippet of news, and I was like, "Whoa, that's worth more than five. So, so say that again. So women who are exposed to stress in their pregnancies, their children are thirty times more likely to have a personality disorder in later life." I'm like, that's absolutely massive, you know, and it was, it, I think it came behind the sport and the, you know, the, you know, it was like this tiny bit of news. I'm thinking what we, what we could do as a society by supporting women through pregnancy and, and reduction of stress and, and back to work and, and, and childcare and, and supporting families, I suppose, you know, uh, and how that could help us as a society to grow. But we don't, you know, we don't, we, we don't, we don't do it. You know, well, we don't we don't do it enough. We don't do it enough. We don't do well enough. Yes, yeah. but um, yeah. but in terms of community and sense of community and sense of you know even sort of extended family and what the definition around that that has changed a lot mm -hmm. um, and over decades or centuries and you know that the. the it's it's kind of too big a subject to condense and and now yeah it's a big subject. I do think. Um, I do think even in a kind of separate conversation, it would be very worthwhile devoting it to, to this topic. But yeah. All I would say is that, um, you know, the kind of the feminine and the creative feminine um, energy isn't just about women. Mm -hmm. it's, it's within the male, Completely. The, you know, the kind of um, masculine feminine energies mm -hmm. with, within both male and female. Of course. But, but also then the... Um, the tolerance and the understanding of the different energies, how they dovetail, and um, I suppose how they balance out. And once you have that balance, I speak for myself as a woman, mm -hmm. owning my own masculine energy mm -hmm. and balancing that against this, you know, when you asked me earlier, what did I excel at? And I, I automatically, the, the feeling, the kind of being able to love and be compassionate for me within myself is a softer feminine mm -hmm. side to me. Mm -hmm. um, but that rests and should rest very easily within the male as well. So, so there, there's something about, I mean, I, I'm lucky to have a son and a daughter and I don't make any difference between either of them. I see different parts of their personalities but I would encourage both sides to their personality mm -hmm. for each of them and um, and so having respect for the masculine in society is as important as having respect for the feminine and I can I can say that coming from a place within myself historically where um, there was a very um, uh, limiting masculine influence if I can put it like mm -hmm. that so to kind of come full circle and have respect for within myself and outside both sides mm -hmm. um, has been part of my journey and I, I would kind of advocate really strongly that that's that's something of importance for everyone regardless of whether you're male or female I agree but well, that's, I mean I, I could talk here for another week on this subject I'm sure we'll, could, we'll maybe when we we'll come back to it come uh, back to it yeah yeah uh, maybe write something and, and blog it and post it, Sharon. Uh, yeah, why not? Uh, so a final question, then we're going to ask you about your, your two objects. Uh, and the uh, question is, uh, 
What does the world need more of? First, word was love. I mean, that's, that sounds like a, a song, doesn't it? Um, well, uh, what does it need more of? It needs, it needs more, it does need more love and it needs more, um, I suppose, awareness, honesty, um, and openness. Um, but yeah, just being open to life. And all of those words, I think, are direct descendants of the word love. I think honesty and openness and awareness, they're all descendants of, of love. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting, Gerilyn, because the four people that I've now asked on this, this and none of them had any advanced knowledge of the question, yeah. every single one of them that I've asked that question to, uh, the world needs more, and they've all said love. love. Uh, yeah. and, and kind of the reason that I'm hoping to do these little podcasts and chat to different people and females and mums and young people and men and, you know, musicians and, and politicians and, and chefs and, and whoever, you know, is, is, to, is to get a wide view and that maybe through listening to this, these different types of people, that there is a common thread, that something common comes out of, of those conversations, irrespective of people's background or environment or what they do or who they are or what age they are. And already it seems to be that that current, recurrent theme is love, more, more love, uh, uh, and that's great. Uh, so I want to ask you quickly, are you okay for time to ask you quickly about your... Yeah, yeah sure, that's right, no yeah. idea what no, time that, Oh, that's good, that's good, that's good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I asked Gerilyn uh, at very short notice to, to, to bring two things. That was, that was about as much as I said, bring two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you brought two things, and I'm going to get you to... Uh, just choose one and, 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 and tell me about it. Tell us about it. Tell us what you've got. And okay. Um, just one of them. One for now. Yeah, we'll do one at a time. Okay. Do one so at a time. This is yeah. the first one that I, okay. um, I chose. And this is a brass um, hieroglyph engraved Egyptian onk, mm-hmm. which um, I picked up in the summer when I was with my partner um, in the south of France on holidays. And so it's quite a... Um, it's quite an unusual piece, and the Egyptian onk, are you familiar with? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Well, I, know, I know the shape, and we, we have a wooden one at home. Yeah, yeah. so yeah. Ba- basically it's, it's very symbolic for me, um, because it speaks to all things Egyptian, obviously, but it's, it's more kind of universal and um, um, older than that in terms of what it symbolises, and, um, and it's about... Um, oneness, universal oneness, and mm-hmm. um, the kind of eternal in all of us. So um, when you're coming back to what you were speaking about earlier, about you know who is the person who sees me and my body, and, and so it, really what that means for me is that we're, we're, we, we come from somewhere mm-hmm. into this body, and then we go back, and then we, we kind of travel around, we bit and then decide to Recycle, and back all, it, yeah, all yeah. of that, mm-hmm. which I, that resonates with me. Um, and the kind of the Egyptian teachings and um, uh, are very much linked to to that idea of, of coming to an understanding of um, remembering of who we are and um, and I think that's a really nice way to to think about your journey in, the, in this lifetime um, and to meet with you know, people that you recognise, you don't know how, but you, you just have a resonance with, and and, um, and again, that's probably for a whole other conversation, but, um, so this this is very meaningful for me. It also, 
symbolizes um, uh, remembering a trip that I made to um, Egypt a number of years ago and that was in terms of my kind of own spiritual journey that was um, that was a really important timeline or watershed for me in opening up things so that's that Brilliant, and it's beautiful. Uh, it is. Uh, I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, Jalen, <coughs> as well. Is there, because I thought there was, is there something to do with the Ankh around uh, femininity and fertility? Is, it, is, it, yeah, is yes. that true as well? Yeah. Yes, okay. it's, so. it's, uh, it's kind of a meeting of um, the, the feminine and the masculine. Okay. Um, so the point of creativity. Okay. Yes. Okay, point very of good. Life, yeah. Which is in the century. Very good. It's class. Yes. Uh, so that was item number one. Item number one. Uh, thank you very much for that. And okay. I imagine that sits on your wall or hangs on your um, wall somewhere. I, or is I actually have it in my in the bedroom, just on a kind of mirror. And, um, but it, it would be better on the wall. I've got two of them, one glass and one wooden. Okay, great. Uh, and the next thing you brought along looks to be like an ornament that, that I'm going to get you to describe. It is. It's this, a piece yeah. of ladro, um, which was a gift uh, after um, my daughter was born. So it's a ladro is a, a Spanish um, ceramic, okay. and so this was given when I had my daughter. Mm -hmm. So it's of a mum bending down, holding daughter in front with um, with both arms raised. So kind of it's very loving, and she's she's guiding um, and trying to help the child to to walk. Mm -hmm. So it's a very um, beautifully made piece. And or I just had a thought. Yes. Or or is the child. Guiding the mother oh, and, and, well, and helping her to walk. No, no, you know, no, so no, 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 absolutely. Yeah. I often think that myself anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you, you try to be like one step ahead and always not. Yeah. yeah. Um, yes, but it, it's um, so it's very symbolic for me. And apropos what we were speaking about earlier, you know, becoming a mum and um, and how that has changed things for me and um, and and also a sense of um, you know as an expression of of unconditional love, being a parent, um, there's there's something that isn't really matched in other types of loving relationships. Um, it's not just unconditional. It's 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 um, they're of you. The children are of you, and and so um, even you know when things get tough, and regardless of how life is, you have to dig deep. When you do dig deep from a place of of just love. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's the kind of guiding and protecting and looking out for and um, feeling proud of and sharing in, in their in their journeys. So this is this was really symbolic for me, and I keep it. I have a little. It's not quite an altar at home, but I have a place where I put my my candles and crystals and mm -hmm. all that nicely bits and pieces, and this sits next to. Very good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful as well. I'll maybe take pictures of those, and sure, uh, if, yeah, if that's absolutely. okay, and, and yes, pop them. I want to pop the the yeah. podcast up on the, uh, yeah, up on on the on the on the site or up on Facebook uh, later on. And uh, I feel, Jarl, I, I almost feel I almost feel regretful that I've come to the end of the, of the podcast because oh, <laughs> because. Uh, uh, you know, I, I just feel that I get sit and, and chat for, for ages and ages and ages and ages. I'm also yeah. conscious that uh, sometimes I think when people are listening to podcasts that one hour-ish is, is enough for, for focal yeah. and, and, and concentration. Uh, and I think we, I 
think we hit on a few topics there that that are, are deserving of their own series of podcasts. You know, not even a single podcast, but their own series of podcasts. And who knows? Who knows where, where that'll go? Uh, so yeah, just just before we go, John, I'm just conscious we didn't speak to, it, and I would love to. Uh, so tell us, and I know uh, you were at you were. Stendhal and, and myself and my wife and kids and extended family, we are big Stendhal enthusiasts. Uh, we are uh, Stendhal ambassadors. We have been Thanks. in the muck and in the sunshine yeah, uh, every too. year, you know. Uh, and you were artist in residence this year, uh, this year at, at Stendhal, uh, which I have to say, if anyone from Stendhal's listen, this year was the muckiest but it was also my favourite. It was fantastic. It was fantastic. <laughs> the, the, the feeling yeah. of togetherness and, you yeah. know, uh, support and community and uh, was just immense, you know. And like I say, we were mucked up to the eyeballs, but never happier, you know. And I had, a, I, honestly, I had, I had a really, really great experience this year at Stendhal. Uh, loved it. So yeah. you were artist in residence at Stendhal and, and, you know, you'd like to just, just before we finish up, Tell us a bit about how that might develop, or how your art. And, and I know you're doing. I sat in one of your your, your talks and, and the the sort of art for the senses. Uh, yeah, around an event panel. Yeah, yeah, panel yeah, thing. Panel uh, maybe tell us a bit about that and how that's going to develop, and and how people can get involved with you or engage with you, sure. or how that how that might happen. Sure. Okay. So Standall came about. Um, I went last year with my partner Paul. Had a ball. Loved it, and I thought I'd love to come back and be the artist in residence. So I applied and got the slot, so to speak. And um, so it was an amazing opportunity. Really, really, really grateful for that. It was amazing. Um, the art gallery itself was um, was it was huge this year. So lots of people in and out, seeing the art, seeing um, getting a sense of it, if you like. Um, and so this last twelve months, in terms of art and opening that side of things up um, has really been about um, developing which something which I call art for the senses. So I suppose merging some of the therapeutic side of what I do with the creative and um, from a lived experience point of view. Um, and so I had a, an event at the MAC um, which was about accessing the creative through and building resilience and dealing with trauma. Um, that was really important and that was followed up at speaking um, at an event in, in Dublin. Um, so that, that sort of advocacy side of things is important to me, um, but equally important is facilitating workshops. And so I'm working with individuals, I'm working with groups um, and starting into corporate work as well. Um, and if you want to know more about that, you can check out my website, jerrymcqueen.com. Um, and the Art for the Census, is, there are details there and you can email me um, in the next, actually next Saturday, this Saturday coming, but day with that, Monday. Monday today. Um, I'm running an event um, in Belfast up at the Culturedown for a group um, of people who work um, in palliative care and uh, so that's that's going to be really kind of interesting as well um, and, I, and I suppose really it's about it's about sharing my own uh, experiences of and the kind of strength and the power behind accessing my own creativity 
um, and sharing that and opening up that space, holding space and opening up the space so that others can find that within themselves. So um, it's, not a, it's not a dogma, it's just basically opening the space up and then whatever develops, whatever happens, will be the right person for whoever is in that space, you know. Um, but for the art, I, again, I could talk for hours. And Another podcast? <laughs> yeah, we've got a whole series yeah, here. Yeah. yeah, for sure. So yeah. Um, so yeah, art for the senses. And I mean, I'm very grateful even to have the opportunity to, to kind of um, give it a bit of a blast right there. But yes. That'll be great. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm going to put a, a link on for uh, uh, com. Yes. I'll put that wee link up as well. Uh, and and so th so that that those kind of workshops and stuff, Jaren, they're open to anyone. They can Absolutely. sign up, come along, yeah. pay the fee, join in, uh, yes, do so the class. And are, are they a, are they a, are they a one week thing, or would they do a series? Would they do like a six week course? I, or what I'm working individually. Yeah. Some people are just coming once weekly, twice weekly to my own space. Um, when I'm asked to come in to um, facilitate for a group by travel, I can. So if you want me to do that, I can. Mm -hmm. um, have materials can travel so to speak. Okay, great. Yeah. Um, and so it, it really they can be the workshops themselves can be tailored to suit um, individual or kind of corporate or group group needs, so to speak. And um, so I'm flexible in that regard. Yeah. Brilliant. Mm -hmm. Sounds really interesting. Thank you. Well, Geraldine, uh, I think that'll finish us up. Only the one thing that I didn't ask you, and I'm conscious that I said I would come back and ask you, and I didn't, and, and I don't want to not. Uh, is I said I would squeeze out of you. Uh, what <laughs> do you think I'd forgotten? Did yeah, you? <laughs> I thought I was going to like you know, modestly skulk away from yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, So before we say cheerio and, and say goodbye to people and thank you from the bottom of my heart, I just love sitting with people and, and getting a feel uh, and, and a sense of, of you know where you're at and where you're coming from and what's important and what really matters and and that's that's amazing. Uh, so before we do that and say goodbye, uh, we said we'd ask you for one more thing that you excel at. I've got two things. Okay, great. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. So um, I'm a pretty, pretty good um, cook, chef. Okay. Cook. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Um, I knew um, this one before. And, and no, tagines and Moroccan stuff. and all that. Yeah, all that. Yeah, okay. Um, and secondly, I'm, I'm a pretty good dancer. Okay. So I would say cooking and dancing. We were talking about flamenco. The flamenco uh, just, is definitely just, up there. Just yesterday. Uh, yeah, so. so if anyone gets a chance to go to one of your Art for the Census classes, they, they may get a whiz around the kitchen shoes, and bring know, your dancing shoes. Sure. And uh, that's, sure. a whole, that's a whole TV programme, you know, dancing and cooking all at the same time, isn't it? It is, that's yeah, a, exactly. That's a, there's an idea. <laughs> there's if that comes to fruition, if that comes to fruition, I want my 10%. Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. Uh, Gerald, you've been an absolute pleasure. Uh, I, I always love chatting to you and I think it's been particularly nice just to be able to sit and listen to you chat and, and talk about yourself. So well, Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Cheers.